from the 11th chapter, the first four verses of Jesus' name is Christ. And it came to pass that as he was praying yeah. in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we also forgive our everyone is that so is indebted to us. Our grass is so lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Can you hear? Beginning. Okay. I would like to not too loud. bring greetings okay. from that seniors camp we had out at the Ask of Lake camp there. It was a very wonderful weekend. And like many of those camps, we are reminded of the way and the journey. And we are refreshed in our own personal walk of faith. This text came, excuse me, to my mind from that camp when we were able to sit in one of the discussions with those dear elders. And we were reminded of some of these basic things in our life of faith. That it is important, and we were reminded that, shut off. that as God your speaker children, shut off. That we love one another. And also we were reminded how important it is that we have patience for each other and also the power of prayer. And I would say these are even some of the characteristics of God's children. And Jesus him, himself said that my house is a house of prayer. And so it has been in all of time that God's children have many times needed to bow their head and pray as that publican prayed that Lord have mercy on me a sinner or as the disciples once prayed Lord increase our faith. And when I read this text, 
I was struck with this thought that here were these Where is this coming from? Mondesalo. Jesus had called to be, we could say, in that inner circle of friends. To spend those years with Jesus and learn about his teaching that they could carry on the work. And in this time, we can see the humbleness and the weakness of those disciples. That they didn't even feel that they knew how to pray properly. And they asked Jesus that to teach us how to pray. And we can see in many places in Scripture how Jesus himself often prayed to the Heavenly Father. Many times in scriptures it tells us that Jesus went alone into the mountains or into some place and there on bended knee he would pray to God. And then there are those times with his disciples that they would also pray together. And we can thank God that these stories and examples are recorded for our benefit. For in this way we can often see that those disciples are not much different than us. That in some religions in the world where they have built different statues and they worship idols and they say prayers to these disciples as if somehow they were better or perfect men. But when we read through scriptures, we soon are aware that they were also sinners. It comes to mind that portion when they were in the garden in Gethsemane and Jesus told them to watch, that he was going to pray. And when he came back, they were all sleeping. And he woke them up. And he again told them to watch. And My again, phone is when really he returned, fast. they were sleeping. These disciples carried that same flesh and blood that we carry. They certainly were not perfect people. But we know our Lord and Savior came to this world especially for that reason to save sinners. That if we stop and examine our own hearts, we would have to admit, as Apostle Paul once said, that we are the chief of sinners that we are 
certainly of ourselves great sinners. But yet, as God's children, we have this great hope that we trust in that work that Jesus did on our behalf. Even as great sinners, we know that we are certainly heaven acceptable, that if we continue to carry this cross, one day we will have a great reward. But as long as we are journeying here in this life, it is very important that we remember to pray. And there are many reasons to say prayers. You kids that are in Sunday school, when you study that small catechism that Luther wrote on prayer, he goes through the Lord's Prayer. He breaks it down line by line. And he explains how many things we can pray for. We can pray on behalf of our government. We can pray on behalf of our parents and for our children. We can pray for God's congregation and also things for our own personal life of faith. And Luther also said in this way that a Christian cannot anymore not pray than one can not breathe. Prayer was so important to him that he didn't believe that one could even be a believer without praying. And I would have to say as believers, we can agree with that thought of Martin Luther, that how many times have we had to bow our head before our Heavenly Father. On one hand, we can give thanks for this great gift he has given us. We can thank him for our health and for our jobs and many other things. And we can also turn to him in time of sorrow and need. I was able to visit many of those elders this weekend at camp. And I would have to say, the more I get to know different people in God's kingdom, the more I know or comprehend that as believers, each one of us, we have a cross to bear. Maybe when I was younger, and perhaps I even now sometimes look at different people or different families and it seems like their life is so blessed that certainly that one doesn't have 
trials or heavy temptations. But it seems that when you start to visit somebody and you have a conversation heart to heart, you soon realize that everyone has their own cross to bear. None of us are different in that way. For we can live a life free of trials or temptation. But we all have reason to come to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Those disciples, we can see an example of their life. That in this portion, they had that humility to ask Jesus to teach them to pray. But it wasn't very long after this happening that they were in an argument or a heated discussion. And when Jesus walked up to them, they all fell silent. And Jesus asked them what they were discussing or arguing. And the Bible says that none of them said a word. They wouldn't answer him. And maybe they were sheepishly looking at their feet. But Jesus already knew the answer. It says they were arguing amongst themselves that who, what one of them would become the greatest in God's kingdom. That they also had this human mind and flesh. And they were thinking certainly as the world thinks that in God's kingdom there's some sort of a order or ladder that we can climb. But Jesus taught a very important lesson to them. This guy sounds familiar. That he took in his lap a small child and he said that this child is the greatest in the kingdom of God. How opposite it is in the world that one that is a small child that hasn't spent years studying, hasn't spent years memorizing and going to school in these sort of matters, has more faith. But yet we can trust and believe that those small children are an example to us. They have that simple childlike faith. They don't, their mind doesn't get in the way like it often does to us older ones. But they simply accept and believe. And when we pray, when we say, Our Father, which art in heaven, we also can say this as small children, trusting that God is certainly our Heavenly Father, that He knows all things that we need before we have even uttered them. And we can have this childlike faith and trust 
that he knows even when a hair falls from our head. And he loves us so much that he will never leave or forsake us. But it is his wish to care for his children. And he will never allow in this way the enemy of souls to tempt us in a way that we cannot bear it. But he will always provide a way of escape. I am also reminded of this thought of Luther when he says there are some things that the enemy of souls cannot stand. And we even heard during one of the sermons this weekend that he cannot handle being in the presence of God's Word. And that's why it is so refreshing for us as believers to gather as often as we are able into the hearing of God's Word. And it seems like for a short time that enemy has to flee. And we can be reminded and refreshed and strengthened in our journey. Also, Luther says that enemy of souls cannot handle the music of believers. And he has said many, many times when he has been tempted or tried that he has went and played the piano and began to sing songs of Zion. And he said the enemy was forced to flee, that he cannot remain in a place when Christian songs are being sung. And also, I would have to agree, and I'm sure you also agree, dear brothers and sisters, when we are in our cars or in our homes, and we put those hymns and songs of Zion playing, how it can easy, ease our troubled mind. That so often we get wrapped up in the things of the world. We get wrapped up or stressed about the politics and the things that are going on around us. And we see the world getting ever more evil. And the days seem like they're becoming darker and darker. And we can become fearful and anxious. But yet it seems like when we are in the hearing of God's word, or we have those songs of Zion playing, that it seems like those anxious thoughts and those fears leave us for a time. And we are reminded that this is not our permanent home, that everything in this world one day will burn. And there is nothing here that would tempt us to stay, nothing here that our heart would long for to have. But most importantly is this, we know waiting for us is a great reward that our souls long there to be home in heaven. We know there there will be no more fears or trials. There will be no more temptations or doubts. 
And I know that is the goal for each and every one of us. That dear Heavenly Father, if somehow we can just hang on till the end, give us strength to continue day by day. Give us that consciousness of sin, that when sin is on our conscience, we would seek a confessor, father, or mother, that we could put those sins away in the blood of Jesus. And we could continue on this narrow journey as little children. And he also tells us in this prayer, Hallowed be thy name. And we know God's name certainly is hallowed. But Luther says in this way, that we would remember that there is nothing more holy than God's name. And that he reminds us even that we would watch our speech and our actions. That we wouldn't use the Lord's name in vain. Or we wouldn't use any language that is inappropriate for a believer. And even there in school or in our workplace, that we would remember to be a light unto the world. That by our actions, we wouldn't bring, we wouldn't bring a bad name to God's kingdom. For certainly those people of our community watch us closely especially in those places where the believers are known, and that we would live in such a way that we would not bring disgrace to God's kingdom, but we would attempt to live according to God's word and as believers. And I don't say this for that reason, that somehow we can live a perfect life or that we are in some way saved by our endeavor or that we somehow are merited grace by our endeavor for we know of course that is not so it is only by our faith in our lord and jesus lord and savior jesus christ that saves us but yet we want to be an example unto the world, especially as these times become more evil. There will be those people that are seeking a place of refuge, a place of rest, a place of safety. And often they notice the action in the lives of the believers that I have heard in my life, and I'm sure you have heard also, that what is different about you, there is something different about you that I can't quite put my finger on. And in this way we can also pray that God would give us strength to confess our faith. When we are asked about that joy that it is in our heart, we can say in this way, because we are children of God and our sins are forgiven. Jesus also says, Thy kingdom come. 
Thy will be done as in earth, as in heaven, so in earth. And God's kingdom certainly has came down to this earth. For we know on this earth there is one small, holy, precious flock. But even as believers, we are instructed to pray that only, not only would this kingdom come to those on the outside, but also we can remain our entire lives in this kingdom, and it would remain precious to us. And we can pray for our daily bread, and this pertains for all things in our temporal life, for our food and our clothing, for our health care, or whatever it is that our body needs in this life. We can pray and be thankful to God that he has provided all things that we need, and we are in need of nothing. In a different portion of the Bible, it also records three prayers of Jesus. The first prayer he said was for himself. The second prayer he said was for his disciples. And the third prayer he said was for the congregation of God. And it also leaves a good example that also for us we can pray on our own behalf. We would pray first and foremost for ourselves. But it, I pondered this next prayer when Jesus prayed for his disciples. And these thoughts came to my mind that even in our day, how important it is that each one of us prays on behalf of our speakers and our board members. And I began to think in this way that perhaps there has never been something more destructive in God's kingdom than when a speaker rises up in himself or goes astray. And if we look back through history, we can see hundreds of thousands of souls have been led astray and out of God's kingdom for this reason, that they began to follow a minister. And I would even say that all the blame is not on that speaker that fell, but we are all responsible for our own lives of faith. And we are reminded that we do not follow man, no man regardless of who he is. But we always want to listen for that voice of the Good Shepherd. And also that board has been given responsibilities, very serious responsibilities to watch and to guide and to take care of matters of the congregation. And it is good that we can also pray on their behalf, that they would also remain humble and remain united. 
In the third prayer of Jesus, as he prayed on the behalf of the entire congregation, and it is also the same way with us. When one member rejoices, we all rejoice. And when one member suffers, we all suffer. And in this way, we carry each other in our thoughts and prayers. And lastly, before I close, this is now my last speaking turn here in this church. And I want to extend this thanks to you, dear believers in this congregation, that you have accepted us so warmly and so lovingly these last couple of years. And we have very much felt at home in this congregation. And we promise that we will remember you, dear believers, in prayer. And also we ask on behalf of our family that you would remember us also in your prayers. And we pray on behalf of even God's Zion that we would all remain as little sheep we would all remain in this precious congregation for there is no other place we want to be. And may it be that one day we are all united there in that glory of heaven. And even tonight, each one of you can uplift your hearts and believe all your sins and doubts forgiven in Jesus' name and precious blood. And I have often felt my own shortcomings and doubts coming to this place to serve with God's word. And I ask if I could also hear that gospel for myself. It certainly pays to continue to believe in Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless us and keep us. I'm Eric the Lord Matala. make his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. The Lord lift up his countenance upon us and he give sounds us familiar. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I don't know if I know one. Do you want to listen? It seemed like he moved away. Like they moved from Mandy's Elo because mm -hmm. he was asking to remember. Mm
Should be coming on. Mm-hmm. One thing I will never do is chew my fingers and one thing that bugs me and grosses me out is when when you're sitting next to somebody and they have their fingers in their mouth and they're chomping on their fingers yeah, with uh, the also if you are pulling your lips all the time that also bugs me. You have to remember that it's okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But chewing fingers is worse. Gross. Like literally Derek like chews his fingers that his fingers are like sore, like they hurt. He's gonna get infected fingers. One minute. Still saying off air.
Oh, here we go. It's on. Just loading. on Yeah, it's on. It's just that it's nothing's coming yet.
I am trying to get it back on. Now it's saying it's off error. They're having some troubles. Oh, there you go. You sure hear the song leader in that one? You sure hear the song Now you can hear. Now that you can hear the congregation. Mm -hmm. It was so good for a long time. Don't do anything, it yeah. just comes on. Yeah. John Stewart. Have you ever been to Seattle? Yeah. You have? You have? Yes. Mm. How long ago? Long ago. Mm. 30 years ago. Mm. Wasn't there summer services there once? Yeah, but I have never been summer services. Mm. What were you there for? Mm-hmm. 
What does congregation meeting mean? What does congregation meeting mean? does this song mean about how God created us, how, how he gave us birth? Is that what that song means? How, how God ga- gave us birth? This song that, that they're playing? There's like um, 26,453 I'm listening already. There's um... 26,453 already listening. That's quite a bit. I got basically four bars, so it can't be the internet. They must be having some troubles. How long is the congregational evening? Dad probably won't stay for coffee. continue our services on this day of grace and do so in opening prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, we pray. Dear Father, be with us this evening as we gather around your holy word and strengthen us on this journey. Dear Father, we also thank you that from all the multitudes you have called us to be your children. Therefore, dear Father, preserve us on this way. 
And also, dear Father, remember our fellow travelers in whatever locality they may be, that they also would be strengthened and nourished on this journey. And we remember praying as Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's nice to see you this evening. Nice to be here with you. And we'll read a few verses uh, from the Gospel of Matthew. It's the end of chapter 11. And it relates to this topic of uh, thanks and praise to God that he has called us to be on this way. And these are the words of Jesus as he himself bent in prayer to the Heavenly Father. At that time, in verse 25, it says of chapter 11, At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son, but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son, and he to whom whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Amen. These are just a few words from, in some ways, a longer narrative in this in life of Christ Jesus, where he was uh, in the midst, so to speak, of his three-year ministry, approximately three years or so, where he actually openly preached, which isn't very long, but we do know from Scripture that it was filled with his works, miracles, parables, his word. Um, one of the writers said if they you know, documented all of the work that he did to fill all the books that are on earth. But these few words are part of what is called Jesus, the, the high priestly prayer of Jesus. And it's a very apt description for this brief prayer because Jesus did, in actuality, serve as the high priest that had been uh, shown uh, in symbolic ways in the, in the Old Testament, throughout the Old Testament. And, uh, for example, we do know uh, the way the high priests that had been in service during the Old Testament time, say from the time of Moses, had, had been able to go into the, what's called, what was called the Holy of Holies in the temple in Jerusalem. It was the most holy part. There were other places in that temple where uh, the, the, uh, the Jewish people could go. Gentiles could even go to a certain area that was called the Court of the Gentiles. Beyond that, they couldn't go under penalty of death. But there were other places in the temple where 
uh, the Jews could go, the women could go, and so on and so forth. But into the Holy of Holies, which was the furthest part, and it was a smaller area inside the temple, the priest only went one time each year. And that, at that time, then he would sacrifice uh, and sprinkle the blood. It always had to be the blood, which you know gives us a picture of Christ's blood. But he would sprinkle it for his own sins and for the sins of the people. And it was important that he did it for his own sins because the high priest was a sinner like everybody else, even though he, you know, some of those high priests didn't think they were. They were very self-righteous. But nonetheless, Jesus in his life, at the end of his life, acted as the high priest from God that we had a symbolic pictures of in the Old Testament. This was finally the time where the high priest, which was Christ Jesus, would do his service. And by doing so, he uh, suffered the death of the cross for us. And didn't enter the temple in, in Jerusalem. He entered the Holy of Holies in heaven with this promise and this hope that we have through him by faith we also will enter the Holy of Holies in heaven. And so this, that's the reason this, uh, that this is referred to as his high priestly prayer. And a remarkable thing about this is how Jesus explains who is heaven acceptable. And it occurred at a, at a, at a time in, in the life of Jesus where he began to be quite well known and in fact, John the Baptist had already been taken prisoner. And we know uh, from the Bible that J John the Baptist was the one who came to, to become the forerunner of Christ. In other words, to announce that Christ was coming. And then when Christ's work actually began at the end of John the Baptist's time of ministry, then John the Baptist's work faded, and he knew it. That he, that he was only the forerunner to announce the coming of Christ. He preached the same message. He said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus had said the same thing. But Jesus was the one that John was going to announce, and, and uh, John the Baptist said, I must decrease, and he must increase. John the Baptist had been taken prisoner by Herod, and he was held in this uh, fortress, and there his, not long after his life ended, he was, as you may recall from Scripture, he, he, he was martyred because of his faith. And uh, Jesus' ministry then uh, became, of course, dominant even before John the Baptist was killed by Herod. But nonetheless, Jesus had this life to live in. And Jesus, if we had read the previous verses, he was, he was preaching in the areas that he uh, began, which was in the north of Jerusalem. Uh, it was not in Jerusalem area at all at that time. It was right along the, the shores of the Sea of Galilee where there were Jewish villages, Capernaum and Chorazin, and some of these, those that have visited Israel would be familiar with these. They're very small villages. They're dotted along the area of the, of the Sea of, of Galilee. And 
in those places Jesus went to these villages. And in some ways it was, uh, I could say, kind of uh, bittersweet. Even though Jesus' ministry had, had begun and some did receive the grace of repentance, in those villages of, of uh, Jerusalem, in that area uh, of, of the Dead Sea, I'm sorry, of the Sea of Galilee, many people rejected Jesus. Even in his in his hometown, the, in Nazareth, they rejected Jesus. And Jesus, then, prior to this portion that we read, he actually had to uh, uh, warn them because he knew that they were rejecting him. And also, it 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 started to happen that people that were not Jewish were even receiving the grace of repentance. One of them was example the woman at the well who was not not a Jew. She was a Samaritan. Another one was the woman over on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea whose daughter was extremely, it was actually possessed by, a, by an evil spirit that begged to see Jesus. And the disciples tried to send her away. They were resting. Jesus was tired. She kept pestering to see Jesus. She believed. She had heard of Jesus. She knew and she believed. She was not a Jew. She was a Syrophoenician, a Greek, basically. But she insisted to the point where finally the disciples had gone to Jesus and said, you know, deal with her. You know, and if you read the Greek, the, the Greek writing, basically what they said was deal with her so that we can get rid of her because she's pestering us. She keeps coming back to this house they were in. And Jesus initially had, had sent her away. He was testing her faith. But her faith was steadfast. She would not give up. And finally, Jesus helped her. But he first said, it's not fit to give the, the bread of the chosen people to the pagans. That the dogs is what he said. And she said, yes, but the dogs eat the bread that falls from their master's table. Jesus said, great is thy faith. And, he, he, and from that very hour, her child was healed. She had steadfast faith. The ones that were Jewish in those villages didn't. And so prior to this, Jesus had to warn them. He said, this is several verses above, he says, uh, then in speaking of Jesus, he began to upbraid. That means to, to uh, <clears throat> reprimand them, to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they <clears throat> repented not, even though they actually saw some of the miracles that Jesus did. Some of them said, well, he's doing it by the power of the devil. Didn't want to believe. And so he said, woe unto thee, Chorazon. And that's one of those cities right near the, the, the Sea of Galilee, not far at all. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. That was the one where Peter was from, right at the top of the, the Sea of Galilee, right on the beach. And uh, he said, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, those are those are unbelieving cities on the coast. He said they would have repented long ago 
in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, and this is hard for me to imagine, but this is what Jesus said, and it's true. He said, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. It shall be more tolerable for the, those cities that were pagan cities than it is for the Jewish cities. And now listen to this one. He says, after he, after he uh, reprimands those from Capernaum, which is where Peter lived, Right on the, again, right on the shore, which art exalted unto heaven shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which had been done in thee in that city of Capernaum, if they had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. Sodom is the most hideous city you can imagine in the world. He says, But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than that for thee, because they rejected their Lord and Savior. And then Jesus pauses. It says, at that time, Jesus answered and said, and this is where he spoke his high priestly prayer. He's speaking to who? He's speaking about those to whom God has revealed his precious kingdom. And who were they? The high priests? The mighty, the ones who felt their own goodness and, 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 and worthiness? No, it wasn't to them at all. He says, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. And then he, in his prayer, in this high priestly prayer, Jesus uh, acknowledges so clearly that this was the will of God the Father, that it would be revealed to the simple, the childlike, the babes. He says, Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. When we think about human reason, it doesn't make sense these things. We have to say the human mind. In fact, when we think about God's grace kingdom here on this earth, it is such that no, no, no one can come to the truth through their own human intellect alone. Obviously, God gave us our human minds and our, our, our intellect, but one needs to comprehend through the power of the Holy Spirit when it comes to being able to see in this life what we say, to see the invisible through the Holy Spirit. It takes the Holy Spirit and it takes childlike faith. Yes, today, the same as it was a couple thousand years ago and the same as it was for the Old Testament travelers many millennia ago. Well, anyway, he says here, it seemed so it good in God's sight. And then Jesus, in this high priestly prayer, acknowledges that all things are delivered unto him. He says here, all things are delivered unto me of my Father. He acknowledges that in his perfection. And he says, And no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father, 
save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. And he's speaking here about the triune God. God the Father, the Creator, the Son, the Redeemer, who gave his life on our behalf, and the Holy Spirit, which is called the Sanctifier. And we know at the end of Jesus' life, in fact, he had already given up his life and been resurrected on that Sunday evening of Easter, of the first Easter Sunday. He gathered in that room. The doors were locked, closed, fear of the Jews. And Jesus appeared to them in that room. And that's where he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. It must be through the Holy Ghost. Not man's intellect, nothing good that we can do. And he said, Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you you uh, retain, they are retained. It's not any power of our own, but only through the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus made it very clear in announcing this to them and uh, giving to them the keys to the kingdom of heaven that it was through the Holy Spirit. And when we think about uh, thankfulness, uh, which this, this text is related to, here Jesus is thanking the Heavenly Father because these things are hidden from the wise and prudent and revealed unto babes in this world. And uh, also in our lives, when we think about faithfulness uh, and, and especially thankfulness toward God, uh, at least when I think about it, uh, I have to admit that I'm, it seems I'm very slow to even be able to thank God properly for what Jesus has done, but also this, that a sin wretch, as weak and poor as myself, has been called into God's kingdom through no merit, no work, but only by God's grace. And Jesus thanks God that it has been this way. Think about uh, human intellect. And God has given mankind of all the creatures that he created, of course, this matter of, of intellect, wisdom, and even though compared to God it's as nothing, but compared to other, all other living creatures, it's, it's absolutely amazing what God, and we can especially see it in our, in our time, even not only in the technology related to, to medical things, but, but even the technical things that God has blessed us with. This, this generation more than any other generation that ever existed. And, you know, and in many ways, I'll have to say, I take it for granted. I don't necessarily want to, but we do. And the other part of this that's very important is that with the human intellect, no one can see God's kingdom. And even though there are many learned people that really, and well-meaning people, nice people, that some spend their whole life studying, for example, Holy Scripture, but they can't see with the human mind the grace kingdom here on this earth. 
And Jesus here speaks about that very thing. That these are hid from the wise and prudent and has revealed them unto grace. It doesn't mean that, that there have never been those that are, you know, especially wise and intelligent. They have, in some cases, received the grace of repentance. And each person, normal person, is, is, is born and develops, you know, a, what you'd have to say is a, a pretty complicated intellect. But they can't see with that intellect God's kingdom unless, like Jesus says here, neither knoweth any man the Father. No one can see the Father or comprehend where he is or even comprehend where he dwells on this earth because he does dwell on this earth in his kingdom. But no one can see it unless the Son, Jesus, reveals it to him. And it's one of these things that in our lives we, we often uh, discuss these issues. It, it happens in our lives with, say, people from the outside. I can think of, of situations in my, not, in my life where the, these kinds of conversations come up. And there are those maybe seemingly rare occasions where uh, someone from the outside of God's kingdom is given the grace to see it. And it's not through their own intellect or wisdom but it's only when the Holy Spirit can reveal to that person the place of God's kingdom and of course we know that it comes through uh, repentance as Jesus even had spoke where he said uh, these cities rejected him because they repented not what is repentance? well it's sorrow over sin and then we know that a, that a Christian repentance also has other parts where a person hears and believes the gospel. And part of that then, when a person hears and believes the gospel, comes into God's kingdom, then there's also a change in a person's life by God's grace. They're guided by the Holy Spirit and they endeavor to keep faith and a good conscience. And it's not that there's some kind of work that they can do. There's nothing that a person can do. But it's a fruit of living faith they want to endeavor on this way, keeping faith and a good conscience. And Jesus finishes this this portion of, of, the, of this uh, high priestly prayer where he speaks about his work and how one can find God's kingdom. And, and, and in the life of Jesus, there were, we would have to say many uh, from, from the multitudes that were able to hear Jesus preaching and able in some, place, in some uh, instances to hear his disciples, for example, when Jesus sent out the 70 to preach. They went to these villages. They also heard the living word. And it, it didn't take... Uh, take the disciples too long to almost feel like well, they, they personally had accomplished something on these because people had received the grace of repentance and Jesus told them don't joy over this that you know you've been able to do these miracles for people but you rejoice over this that your your name is written in the book of life that their own faith would save them and 
Jesus then closes this portion with another part that is, I think, precious to a, a child of God because we, we do, in many uh, ways, struggle on this journey. I think you with me find that we doubt. I know I doubt, sometimes filled with doubts. Could such a poor wretch really be a child of God? Those kinds of thoughts. Could God's kingdom be, be this small kingdom? Yet when we read the Bible, it says it's so. The disciples wondered about that as they asked Jesus one time, are there many that are saved? And Jesus spoke of the narrow way that leads to eternal life and the broad way that leads to destruction. It's so that God's kingdom is a kingdom of babes. And as Luther had said, babes, fools, and fishermen, the basic basic people in this life who by God's grace have been called but Jesus comforts after he speaks about that that no one can come to to God with their own intellect or their own their own strength their own wisdom their own works he says this and I think even this evening as we prepare to celebrate the Lord's Holy Supper here it's I think it's good to take Jesus words even to the most slowest to believe, the one with sometimes heavy heart battles in this life, trials, tribulations, worries, doubts, sins, to take Jesus' word because he's speaking to the weak and the poor, the long for the water of the gospel that, that brings life. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't it so in this life that we can put all of the burdens we have on he who took the entire sin burden of the world, all of the sins, suffered on the cross on our behalf and those who believe are saved this evening as we prepare now in a few moments here to celebrate the Lord's Holy Supper it's good to remember the purpose of that when Jesus gathered in this case it was what the Thursday before he Good Friday when he suffered on the cross he gathered with the, the uh, those disciples in that upper room same room later they met almost for sure where the doors were locked we don't know that for sure but it, it seems to indicate that it was a place they went and he then transformed the Old Testament meal of the Passover meal where they had the lamb and so forth and, and, and they celebrated that over the, the, the memory that they were freed from bondage in Egypt during the time of Moses, and they remembered that. Jesus transformed it into the meal of what we call communion, the Lord's Holy Supper. And Jesus then transformed it from the memory of, of, of freedom from Egypt, which gives a picture of you know freedom from, from the slavery of sin. But also, he says, do this in remembrance of me, him, Jesus. For what? 
some kind of merit. No. It's a meal of strengthening for the weak and poor traveler. Through the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, he, he, he says, and we'll read this in a few moments as we go through the communion rites, how he speaks what it is. It is body and blood. It's not uh, this way that it's, it's some kind of reward or anything. It's done simply for this, to strengthen our weak faith and communion, union with our Lord Jesus Christ in his kingdom. So, dear fellow traveler, as we prepare for this Holy Supper, it's good to remember that even at this moment, filled with doubts and worries, you can believe all sins and feelings and shortcomings of this life forgiven. In Jesus' name and precious blood, and be of good cheer. And I also, this evening, need to hear the reassurance of the gospel. Can you preach the gospel to me? I promise to believe with you and count it only by God's grace. I can travel with this flock here on this earth. And I know, dear fellow traveler, you feel the same way. Be uplifted. In Jesus' name, amen. I think we'll read the benediction at the end of this one, and we'll wait till the end of the communion. And so uh, now I think we can go into the opening uh, song leading up to the reading of the rites.
name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, beloved brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, being assembled before the face of our beloved Heavenly Father, we now desire to confess our sinfulness and in faith pray for forgiveness and peace, saying thus in our hearts, O Thou most merciful, crucified Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy upon me, a wretched, wretched sinner, and look upon me with the eyes of Thine compassion as thou looked upon Peter when he had denied thee, and as thou looked upon the sinful woman in the house of the Pharisee, and as thou looked upon the thief on the cross, and grant me thy holy grace, that with Peter I would weep over my sins, with the woman which was a sinner I would love thee with all my heart, and together with the thief I could behold thy holy face in heaven forever. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Christ, of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our Lord Jesus Christ says to his disciples, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. Beloved communion guest, be encouraged to hold these promises and believe all sins forgiven in Jesus' name and precious blood, and be of good cheer. Let us thank and pray. Almighty God, merciful Father, we thank thee for thy great grace which thou hast shown unto us, when in thy Son, Jesus Christ, thou hast redeemed us, forgiving us our sins and promising us eternal life through him. We pray for a child like mine in order to be, that we may be preserved in the fellowship of thy forgiving love forever. Grant unto us the power of thy Holy Spirit so that we would be able to celebrate the Holy Supper of our Savior in such a way that our faith would be refreshed by thy Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. It is truly meet, right, and blessed that we should at all times and in all places give thanks unto thee, Holy Father, Almighty, Eternal God, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, heaven and earth are full of thy glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, 
when he had supped, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. This do as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. Let us now all pray as our Lord Jesus Christ taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The peace of God be with you always. Um, Seattle. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> has come, for all now is now ready. Both of the meetings, our speakers that 
that's me, Chris, and board members meeting in May and the annual meeting and so on. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it wasn't really a presentation, it was just open to the So, well, I guess the main questions were uh, about the fact that hopefully in Minneapolis their sermons are no longer archived or broadcast. And uh, various comments about that. Then, uh, and then some people were asking questions about them, giving their own experiences and what they've heard, and and uh, everybody was very of one mind. The, the only only comment was that Lord we, Eternal God, Thou who hast made us partaker. We thank thee for thy grace what? Yeah. 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 yeah, but they're going to do a benediction at the end. Who lives and has dominion with thee. This could take a long time. I don't see the need. Anyway, yeah, then, what was I going to say? your hearts before the Lord and receive the benediction. The Lord bless thee and keep. Lord, make his face shine upon thee. Yeah, but there, it's at the benediction. Lord, lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Um, the only thing was, Vernon made the comment that he had, he said, I was two weeks ago in Wolfpack Services, and I didn't see anywhere else. But he didn't support him, or he didn't. Nobody brought up anything else, but I guess
did I tell you that Small group of, of the campers, the Slavians, had been there, 